0: Y'all for joining us. Uh, I'm Ryan Aber, uh, Justin Martinez, uh, also here with us. Hoping that uh, Barry Trammell uh, will be here uh, shortly as well. Uh, Got got a chance to listen to uh, talk to Brent Venables today. Got a chance to talk to some players last night, and uh, and and as well as offensive uh, coordinator Jeff Levy, defensive coordinator uh, Ted Roof. Some some interesting. Uh, Things that they had to say, you know, it was interesting talking to uh, Javante Barnes last night about his role. He was able to uh, uh, play, get a a few carries in the opener, four carries, uh, 25 yards, I believe, uh, for for him. Uh, I think he's a guy who his role could continue to grow and grow. Now, we'll see how limited that is because of uh, the performance that Eric Gray had, which was fantastic. On Saturday, clearly the best game of his Sooner's career. And then the the performance of uh, Marcus Major, who did some good things as well. Uh, But, uh, you know, Javante Barnes, certainly interesting to talk to him. Got to talk to him about his uh, recruiting process uh, and his affinity for for DeMarco Murray, who uh, is from Las Vegas like he is and uh, was the lead recruiter on him. And he said DeMarco's story and background was a big part of why he chose to come to OU. No surprise there, but uh, certainly interesting to hear him say it. We got to talk to uh, several offensive linemen, uh, McCade Matower, Andrew Rame, and Tyler Guyton among them, and talk to them about the uh, tempo of the offense and their role in that. You know, it's a different look with what the offensive line has to do now versus what they've been asked to do in the past, especially in getting down the field after those plays. You know, a big topic of conversation. Uh, Justin, bring you in here. A, a big topic of conversation uh, so far uh, this season has been the tempo, and we saw that for the first time on Saturday. It was really interesting uh, hearing uh, Jeff Levy. Uh, talk about what made that tempo go yesterday.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's been a really big focus for this team. You know, they were talking about it in camp. Obviously, they showed it against UTEP and have continued to talk about how much of an emphasis that's going to be for them. I mean, it's all the way down to just you know when they when they catch a ball and the play's over, they know to go ahead and already go and place it down and get ready for the next snap. I mean, it just you could tell that they really put an emphasis on being one of the faster teams in the nation. And there's obviously advantages for it. You know, it'll just force teams' defenses to maybe make some mistakes that they normally wouldn't when they're kind of rushed. So, yeah, I mean, it looked like it really worked well for them against UTEP. They're going to try it out again against Kent State. And, um, you know, the offensive linemen, like you mentioned, that's a really big part of it because, you know, they're the bigger guys on the field that have to be ready to take it out there to the line of scrimmage. So we've gotten to talk to them about it as well. And just from everyone that we've talked to, it seems like people have really bought into that. Because uh, obviously there's a mental aspect to it, aside from just being well conditioned, um, you know, and it seems like everyone we talked to has really kind of embraced that that uptempo style. Yeah, uh,
0: you know, we talked to, to Eric Gray and uh, gosh, I think it was Tyler Guyton yesterday uh, mentioned it specifically that some of the UTEP players on the field were just sort of shaking their heads. And how can you all run this fast? How can you all uh, keep this up? And, uh, you know, certainly that wasn't going to make the difference uh, overall in a game like they faced on Saturday. But it'll be interesting to see how that affects things, you know, when they get into Big 12 play and heck, when they get to Nebraska here in a couple of weeks, when teams get up to a, a different kind of level uh, on them, certainly can make a difference there. You know, one of the more interesting things that I heard uh, Jeff Lebby talk about was how much the managers and the the, and the off the field people played a role into that. Uh, you know, Gus Malzon wrote a book on the uh, hurry up, no huddle uh, quite a few years ago before he got into college coaching. And one of the things he said is you've got to get ball boys and, and trainers who are going to chase after the ball, get it back on the field as quickly as possible. And Really hadn't thought about it in the context of what uh, the Sooners are doing this year. But, uh, you know, he mentioned it and said, hey, they've got to be able to get that ball, be ready, throwing another one in. The receivers have to, you know, make sure that they find the official and and get that ball after they make a catch. And that helps this offense uh, get cranked up even more, Justin.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, attention to detail. You know, I think that's just a really good example of it. Um, and you know, it helps that that this is something that they've been working on all all camp. You know, really all off season. Um, I want to say it was it was McCade who we had asked him about. You know, how it was out there against UTep. You know, with that up tempo style, and he was like, "Well, it, it was it was nothing new for us. You know, We're, we've been doing this out in practice and and working on this uh, continuously. So you know, it's it's not like it's something that's that's brand new now that the season starts. I mean, there's been plenty of practice with that attention to detail, with the conditioning, with the mental side of things. I mean, it just seems like this is something that's, you know, it's, it's been in the works and now they're able to roll it out and, you know, it's just working for them so far.
0: Yeah, it certainly has. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Saturday's game, and again, the outcome shouldn't be in any, in, in any doubt in this thing, but Kent State, likes to run as fast as OU does. And, uh, you know, we'll see how OU's defense especially handles that on the other end. I think they'll be better equipped for it because of what they faced. Uh, we, we asked some questions about that to uh, uh, both coaches and players. But, you know, let's see how they react uh, to it and also how the offense reacts. Does is Do they just keep the pedal down and, and go, 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 or are there times where they pull back and try to give their uh, uh, defense a little bit of chance to catch its breath because there's it could be a lot of, uh, you know, sort of uh, very quick head-turning drives uh, on
1: Saturday against Kent State. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely a balance to that with, you know, when to put your your foot on the pedal and when not to. We saw that in the second quarter against UTEP, you know, they were, the offense was starting to have a couple three and outs. UTEP was starting to score and, and, you know, you decided to really go with the run game to kind of just establish a little bit more momentum, you know, as opposed to maybe just being, um, you know, all guys, no breaks. And then, especially with this Kent State one, like you said, they are a fast team. um, And it it really helps that OU's defense has been able to practice every day against OU's offense. I mean, so they're going to be used to it by now. Um, but definitely it's, it's going to be a fast Kent State team. I mean, they ranked fifth in the nation last season in total yards per game. I think it was about 490-some yards per game. So, I mean, they like to move it, and, you know, hopefully the, the amount of practice that OU's defense has had in practice every single day um, will help them be better prepared for it.
0: Yeah, so that's, that's going to be something to watch on Saturday Justin, an interesting thing about this uh, Kent State team, and uh, you uh, touched on it today, is the fact that they're not uh, far away right now. They're staying up in Tulsa, getting their uh, practices in. I believe it's at Union uh, that, that they're doing that. Right. And uh, just they didn't want to uh, stress their guys any more than they had to. And with the Labor Day weekend being off school yesterday on Monday, they decided to just go ahead and fly straight from Washington, where they opened the season, to uh, into Tulsa and uh, make
1: uh, make their home base for the week. Yeah, I mean you can't blame them. That's that's a lot of travel to go from from Seattle all the way back to to Ohio, and then a few days later come all the way back here out to Norman. So yeah, like you said, they're at, they're at um, at Union. They're going to be there in Tulsa for this week. And then I believe Friday they're going to head down to Oklahoma City um, and then Saturday head to Norman for game day. So uh, definitely weren't able to, uh, as you mentioned, Labor Day yesterday. So they didn't miss as much time as they normally would in terms of classes because Kent State didn't have classes yesterday. Um, So really, it worked out well for them. You know, I I definitely don't blame them for them. Brandon talked about it as well that, you know, it definitely does make things easier just on the body, on the mind um, to not have to travel as much. So, yeah, and also they're going to be making some stops um, at Tulsa. Um, They're going to be looking at um, uh, Black Wall Street. So just getting to go out and experience these things, um, that's something that also they had talked about as being an advantage to to staying in Tulsa as opposed to going home.
0: Yeah, so we'll see what they have to say about uh, their week in Oklahoma. You know, going back to the tempo conversation, Justin, though, you know, one of the interesting things that Brent Venables talked about today was the reality of things as the defensive coordinator 20 years ago when Kevin Wilson arrived here as the offensive coordinator and really started cranking that tempo up whereas before it was you know a three- play burst where they might go really fast but then things slowed back down now it's just you know keep your foot on the the pedal uh, type of things and I, I asked him about how that changed things for him as a defensive coordinator back then. Um, he said it was was quite a, a, a big difference, both preparing for those teams, but uh, but also how to manage things on your side when uh, your team is is going so fast. And one of the things that he said today is that he started a meeting. I think it was today's meeting, might have been yesterday's, but with the message. Hey, offense, don't worry about what the defense does. If it's positive, great. If it's, it's negative, great. But just know that when you go out on the field, you've got to perform. And then the same message to the defense. He said there wasn't any friction or anything like that between the sides. But he wanted to tamp it down in case that narrative uh, popped up. It, it clearly was a topic of conversation with the uh, couple quick three and outs that they had in the second quarter, you know, not that you expect uh, everything to go perfectly and and score a touchdown on every drive as much as they'd like to, but uh, you saw with the response to that how much that can wear down uh, a defense, especially when they don't get off the field on third down, uh, things like that, and it really tested them, especially on the back end.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's going to be an ongoing conversation this season is just being able to find that balance because, you know, uh, Barry had a, a really good column on that, I believe, a week or so ago. Um, then, you know, it, it does have an effect on the defense, you know. They just finish, uh getting off the field, and then just like that, OU's offense scores in two minutes, and you got to go back out there. I mean, that's that's going to take a toll on the defense over time. Um, but, yeah, it is just going to be a balance that they're going to have to find. I thought that, um, you know, Ted Roof obviously – D.C. had a really good quote um, a while back saying that, hey, in my contract, it doesn't say we only have to get stops at a, this certain point in time. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but pretty much he's saying my goal is that when my defense is out there, we got to get stops regardless of how tired we are, how much of a break we had. You know, it's it like you had said with Brent that there's not a connection there. The, the offense has to do its job and the defense has to do its job, you know, and that's just the way it's going to be. But obviously they are going to have to find a balance because – you know, we did see it in that game against UTEP at certain times that it can take a toll on a defense when the offense is going so fast.
0: Yeah, you know, another thing I uh, wanted to uh, touch on was Brent Venable's talk today about the recruitment of uh, Gavin Freeman and how he wound up with the Sooners, was committed to uh, Texas Tech for a while when, when Matt Wells got fired there sort of open things up for him. And, you know, we know what he did Saturday with the first touch uh, touchdown, the long one, I believe it was 46 yards. I don't have the uh, uh, packet in front of me. But the uh, obviously a neat story for him to, to do what he did. Uh, but really interesting to hear Brent Venables talk about the process of trying to get him aboard and also the process of, of using a player like that. He talked about uh, talking to his assistant coaches that, hey, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. If you see a guy who has earned it on the field, regardless of walk on, uh, you know, uh, walk on scholarship guy, regardless of freshman, senior, if you see a guy on the field who is ready to play, don't be afraid to pull that trigger and uh, shoot them out there and and give them a chance.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just based off of, what he was doing at camp it seemed like they they were ready to roll him out there i mean from everyone that we had talked to it seems like he was really impressing people i mean Brent had a comparison a loose comparison today but a comparison nonetheless to to adrian peterson in the sense that when gavin runs i mean people just will look at him and say whoa you know i mean i think Brent had said the earth would shake it was the kind of comparison which is similar to when adrian peterson would run now obviously loose comparison but i mean just the fact that he's able to even be in those types of conversations and is already getting early reps. I mean, he was the, he, he got a rep. What was it that, that touchdown, that was the first quarter that he had. So already carving out a role on the team. We're not sure how big it'll be, but you know, it it seems like he's really impressed a lot of people. And, you know, he talked about it after the game that, you know, he understands that as his role is a preferred walk on, nothing is guaranteed even after a play like that, you would think that would help him have a case for some more playing time. But, you know, it sounds like he's ready to keep working and, and keep trying to climb the ladder there on the depth chart.
0: Yeah, and if, if nothing else, what Saturday showed is he's going to be a big part of, of what they do special teams. Several of the freshmen were in those roles. We saw uh, Jaron Connect make an impact there. You know, we had talked about him a lot uh, during, during the course of preseason camp and where he'd fit in. Got to see him on defense some. You know, I'm not sure how much he's going to ultimately play defensively. I think he's got a chance to see his role uh, grow and grow uh, as the uh, season uh, goes on. But uh, he's clearly going to be a big big special teams guy. We saw some other uh, guys, Jason Llewellyn, got uh, some some significant run on special teams. Not sure how much he'll play uh, offensively, but uh, Barry... To you, when you look at uh, Saturday's game, Barry Trammell uh, joining us, when you look back at Saturday's game and then look forward to the rest of the season, who are some of the freshmen, maybe besides Gavin Freeman, who we just talked about, that uh, you, know, you really think are going to play uh, significant roles for this team moving forward? Justin, I guess same question to you then. We'll <laughs> start, off, uh, start off there. And if, if Barry uh, jumps on and is able to chime in, feel free.
1: Right. Can you repeat it for me one time, please?
0: Sorry. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, we talked about Gavin Freeman and his chance to contribute this season. You know, who are some of the other freshmen, maybe outside of R. Mason Thomas, who, uh, you know, we talked about after the game Saturday, that you think could uh, see significant roles in the future this season, even if they didn't uh, play, you know, really big roles on, on Saturday?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, one of them on the offensive side of the ball, you know, just from what we've heard about Jaden Gibson, it sounds like, I mean, he's a guy who obviously has the size six five, one ninety five, um, a wide receiver. So interested to see what he can do. Hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit more of him in this game against Kent state. Maybe he can carve out a role there, um, in the passing game, you know, um, on a defensive side of the ball, our Mason, like you had said, definitely one of the bigger ones, but, um, you know, jaron knack obviously a big one as well so there's there's some some freshmen here who are gonna have opportunities and i think that's a really big thing that Brent was talking about today also is that you know that's that's kind of the point that they're trying to prove is that if you put in the work you can get these these reps right away you know uh javante barnes being another guy in, in the backfield who might be able to carve out some uh some touches outside of eric gray and marcus major so there's definitely some guys that are gonna have opportunities moving forward and Especially in a game like this against Kent State, where you would think OU is going to win it pretty handily. you know it's it's going to be really interesting to see who gets some opportunities.
0: Yeah, that that is, you know, I, I think Barnes is is one of the the top guys for me. Just as far as seeing his role grow, talked about that early earlier, but uh, you know, I, I think he's got a, a real chance to uh, play a significant role for this team moving forward. Again, could be limited a little bit based on. You know, what Eric Gray and Marcus Major ultimately do, but good to get a look at him on Saturday. I think he'll get another significant uh, set of action against Kent State. You know, uh, I'm really interested to see how uh, some of the freshmen in the backfield, defensive backfield, uh, go. Gentry Williams, we saw the interception. I think he's a guy who's going to play a lot on special teams regardless, but. Does he he find a role in that defensive rotation and uh, move up and and play more significant minutes? Because we heard a lot of talk about what he brought physically uh, to that role uh, here in in the preseason. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, he's got a chance to expand it. Uh, You know, a couple of guys who played a little bit on Saturday that I'm not sure how much they're going to play. Moving forward, I mean, we're going to get a chance probably if the game is, uh, you know, well in hand late to see guys like Jake Taylor and Jacob Sexton on the offensive line. I think those are, uh, you know, I'm writing something for tomorrow on redshirt candidates and uh, sort of put them in the category of uh, break glass in case of emergency. I don't think they're necessarily guys who are going to play a lot this season more than the ability to redshirt but uh it's important for them to get that experience in games like this and games like Saturday against Kent State to have a chance uh to to perform later but in all likelihood uh those are going to be a couple of guys who are going to redshirt Justin
1: yeah yeah definitely I mean I think Brent had been asked about that um before the start of the season if they had made any plans and then you know, he had said they're kind of they're kind of going to go about it in the way that we'll just see how it plays out and then decide from there who gets redshirted. So, you know, I think this game against Kent State is going to be a good opportunity for some of those guys to, to get some playing time. But obviously, there's only going to be so many uh, touches, only so many reps. So some of them definitely are going to have to be. Um, also, another guy we didn't mention, um, and I'm terrible at pronouncing last name, so I'm sorry if I'm going to butcher it, but uh, Jason Llewellyn, I, was, uh, I probably pronounced that wrong. Um at tight end you know he's someone Jason that, Llewellyn. Llewellyn yeah he's someone that you know they had I think it was um I want to say it was Levy had said that he might be the guy who has improved the most on this offense during camp um and you know he's he slotted last there in the depth chart at least for week one he was um behind Willis Parker Helms um but you know he's, he's another guy that's got really good size and could potentially be able to um to contribute as well so there's a few guys that are going to get some chances against this uh, Kent State team. and We'll see what they do with it.
0: Yeah, will certainly be uh, you know really interesting. You know these games early in the season, games that are generally blowouts and, and aren't against uh, you know power five opponents. There's generally not a lot of intrigue to them, but certainly this year with all the, the turnover and everything, there is. You know, Jason Llewellyn, I think, will be interesting to watch because of what you talked about with Jeff Levy. Not sure you know, how much he'll wind up playing with Braden Willis and, and Daniel Parker. Brent Venables did touch on him. said that he had a, a little bit of a case of the sniffles, is the way he put it, on, on Saturday. So he wasn't dressed out, but um, you know, sounds like he's going to be ready to go uh, this weekend. Uh, a player who might not be ready to go this weekend, though, uh, Wanye Morris and uh, uh, said that his off-the-field situation was ongoing. He said he expected him back sooner rather than later. But I, I thought it was interesting, Justin, to, uh, to hear what he said about Wanya Morris's return, which is, hey, Wanya Morris is going to slot in where he was before this all happened and uh, go into that, that starting spot. Now, he also talked about Tyler Guyton and his chance to maintain a significant role, but, uh you know, it's always interesting how coaches handle that thing. And it sounds like in Brent Venable's mind,
1: Wanya Morris is still a starter on this team. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see when exactly he comes back. I know Brent has talked about it being within the next few days. To keep saying that they're hoping to tidy things up with him, but yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like he's going to be able to get put right back in where he was. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, it's, it's a good opportunity for Tyler Godin. He's someone who obviously had some experience at TCU, not a whole lot, but was able to get some reps and, you know, look capable of, of playing out there against UTEP. So good opportunity for him. He talked about it as, you know, his goal is is to start at OU. And while it looks like Wanya is going to be able to come back and take that starting spot back, I mean, there's definitely some value when it comes to Tyler to to be able to get that experience against UTEP. Um and possibly Kent State here as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that offensive line moving forward. But, um, you know, either way, it seems like they've, they've shown an ability to adjust, you know, in cases like this. Um, they didn't look great, but they weren't. They definitely weren't bad by any means against UTEP. So we'll see how they look out there against Kent State.
0: Yeah, and it was interesting getting a chance to talk to, to Tyler Guyton about his experience at TCU, his experience playing in the stadium last year as a uh, an opponent when tcu came down here he said he absolutely hated it because of how close the the fans were especially the students right behind the uh, the bench uh which by the way we'll get to the the fan conversation uh here here in a little bit but um but tyler guyton said the the flip side of that is when he's he's been here you know on saturday as a as a uh sooner it he said it's been an amazing or it was an amazing place to play. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, he's a guy who uh, found a role last year with TCU catching passes, caught a touchdown pass uh, against the Iowa State, I believe. And uh, he, he said he just it sort of started off as a lark, that he uh, asked the coach to give him a chance in there. He got a chance with the tight ends, and then he just said one day, he just jumped in with the tight ends when they were catching balls, and uh, it sort of grew from there. And he said he is going to lobby Jeff Levy to uh, get a chance again, but certainly gives them some some intriguing options there. And we're going to try uh, something uh, new for me, at least, and, uh, on this space, and uh, we'll see if somebody requested a, a chance to speak. Kevin, if you have a question or, or something you want to say, uh, go ahead.
1: Going by the red shirt, uh, guys, uh, who's going to be our biggest
0: candidates for red shirt this year? Excuse me. Say that again.
1: Huh? The biggest candidates for red shirt this year, who's, who do you think is most likely to get red shirted?
0: Yeah, I think certainly you look at the, the freshmen who didn't play, uh, on Saturday, um, to, to start off with, although, you know, we'll see how many of those guys, uh, ultimately slot in there among the guys who did play. I mentioned the offensive uh Jacob Taylor, Jake Taylor and Jacob Sexton as guys who uh, are are still likely to redshirt even after playing. Uh, I think Grayson Halton has got a good chance to to be in that group as well among guys who, who played on Saturday. You know, I I think there are some opportunities for uh, some of those freshmen that didn't play or, or haven't played much. To uh, come out of that redshirt, the the great thing about the new uh, NCAA redshirt rule is, you know, when I started covering OU uh, for the Oklahoman uh, a decade ago, you know, Bob Stoops would come out uh, right before the season and would basically read us a list of the players that he expected uh, to to redshirt that that year. It's a lot different now. Um, Now I think Jaden Gibson is a guy who could be a candidate or could. Uh, carve out a role Justin mentioned his size uh, being intriguing certainly that's something we've talked a lot about being uh, six foot five a much different kind of guy than they've had at that position but uh, didn't played a little bit on Saturday didn't play much um, and wasn't really a special teams guy so uh, you know we'll see uh, what kind of role he plays there um, and Nick Anderson, another one at the wide receivers, didn't see him on Saturday. Or play. Gavin, Gavin Sawchuk either. He didn't play Saturday as well. Yeah, Gavin Sawchuk Gavin was a guy who didn't even dress out on Saturday. And, and Brent Venables said he could have been available if they wanted. Now, Brent Venables sort of alluded to the fact that he was cutting down a little bit on the number of guys who dressed out for games uh, because of the sideline space and, and things like that. Uh, you know, that's really never been an issue in the past. But, um, you know, Gavin Sawchuk certainly has some really intriguing speed, especially. Um, but with uh, with those guys ahead of him, Eric Gray, Marcus Major, we've talked about Javante Barnes and then Tawi Walker, uh, who's listed as the as co-third on the depth chart. I think it's going to be really hard for Gavin Sawchuk to. Uh, find his way through. I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good player for this team in the future. Just not sure it's uh, this season uh, for the Sooners. And that's kind of what I was. That's kind of what I was thinking because I was like, "Well, we want to build his body up. I know he made great strides over the summer, but," first of the deep. We've got so many running backs. And even if you count the kid, the transfer from UCF, we have so many running backs that it really wouldn't hurt matters if he did, Richard. Yeah, absolutely, and and yeah, the, we had mentioned Bentavius Thompson and the the UCF transfer. So yeah, I think it's going to be really difficult for him to break through. I think in my mind, Javante Barnes is the one uh, freshman running back who's got a chance to to play a fairly significant role. I think he's going to wind up being a, a fairly clear uh, number three at that spot. And if something happens to uh, Marcus Major and Eric Gray, I think his role. Uh, could really expand. Uh, Justin, let's go back to you for a bit. Um, I'm going to ask this because I've been putting together the list for uh, the the package I'm doing tomorrow. Who do you feel like were the uh, the three top players uh, for the Sooners on Saturday? And, uh, you know, who are some other guys uh, or one or two other guys who you feel like have a chance to – be in that mix, in that conversation when we talk a week from today, uh,
1: recapping the Kent State game? Top three players. Um, I mean, defensively, the first one that comes to mind would be Reggie Grimes. Obviously, career day, you know, two and a half sacks, the whole storyline that comes around with it. Um, Just a a really good performance for him and someone who's going to continue to be a force on the edge for OU. So Reggie Grimes will probably be the one on the defense side of the ball. You know, Eric Gray, best day as a Sooner for sure um what was it a hundred and was it 102 rushing yards I believe it was um but a hundred yard game for him I you know I would think I would put him as well and then you know it, it wasn't a, a great performance by by Dylan Grable, but it was it was still a good one um you know definitely showed that he was efficient um when it came to his decision making so I would I would probably put that as the top three, and in no particular order, would be Reggie Grimes, um, Eric Ryan, and Dylan Gabriel.
0: Yeah, I actually uh, had had Gabriel at the top just because of uh, the quarterback position, and yes, he he was very efficient. It, it might not have been the flashiest day, uh, you know. He, he's not going out there slinging the ball around like Baker Mayfield did, or or running it like Kyler Murray, but. Really efficient day uh, for them. Did what he needed to do uh, on Saturday. And he's the driving force behind we talk about that tempo. Yes, the offensive line is is sort of the key to it. But he's the one who really got that going with his control of the offense, his understanding of what they do, what they want to do offensively with his experience in Jeff Levy's system. Uh, I I did go with Reggie Grimes, uh, number two. Um, because of, like you mentioned, the, the career day. I think even uh, even had it just been his on-the-field production, that would be the case with the uh, back-to-back sacks. Obviously, half, one of them was a, a shared sack with uh, our, our Mason Thomas uh, there in the first quarter. Uh, but a, a fantastic day for him. And um, I'll, I'll just take this time to give a plug to the story I wrote for today's Oklahoman it's online at oklahoma.com right now about Reggie Grimes and his grandmother's battle with cancer. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer on April fool's day, April 1st, uh, got a chance to talk with her, uh, outside of the stadium on Saturday. And, uh, she said it was just too important for her to be here and and support her grandson in in, uh, the game on Saturday for her to, uh, Uh, not do that if she was at all able, and she was able to make it out. She put off starting chemotherapy treatment for breast cancer uh, in order to be there, and and really a great day for her, a great day for the Grimes family. There were 17 uh, members of his family uh, in attendance all wearing uh, shirts with his name and number on the back, and uh, Barbara Grimes, his grandmother, had one that said, uh, OU Sooner's mama, on the front. He said that everybody calls her mama uh, in in their family. She's the matriarch of the group and, um, you know, really uh, wish her well as she begins chemotherapy in Nashville on uh, Thursday. But uh, the number three player I had there, Eric Gray, uh, you know, you just talk about the, we talked a lot about his versatility last year and Lincoln Riley. We saw, really wanted to make him a big piece of their offense. It just never quite clicked last year with him, but uh, turned in a really big game Saturday. And I think his, uh, his skill set really fits well with what Jeff Lebby wants to do offensively. So I think this will be a time when, as long as he stays healthy and uh, as long as nothing else changes, I think he's going to uh, really settle into uh, that role uh, there. But uh, certainly a lot of good candidates, Um, you know, looking toward this week, uh, a couple of guys that I'm really going to be keeping an eye on uh, there to see if they jump into that category uh, of guys. First of all, Ethan Downs, a guy that we've talked about a ton, Uh, you know, didn't talk about him Saturday a lot, not because of anything he didn't do, but because of what Uh, Reggie Grimes and uh, R. Mason Thomas did on the field that uh, sort of stood out. But uh, there's been a lot of talk about Ethan Downs leading up to this game. And I think he's still going to be a big piece of this offense Um, or defense, excuse me. And then on the offensive side, uh, you know, a guy that I'm really uh, looking toward and and I think will probably have a breakout game here before too long. That wide receiver, Theo Weiss, I, I think we've seen the talent that he has. The talent is uh, unquestioned. It's just about putting it together, about the ability to stay healthy. And I, I think it's not going to be too long before he does that and uh, breaks out with a big game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this game again against Kent State could be it. I mean, last season, this is a Kent State team that their defense allowed the most first downs out of any team in the nation. I think it was just a shade over 26 per game. So they are susceptible to some big plays. Um, Theo Weis, obviously being someone who's capable of breaking free for those. Um, you know, I would also, I would love to see Jalil Farouk be able to kind of carry over that momentum from, you know, last season, the end of last season, to a game here um, this year, potentially against Kent State. So there's a few guys that wide receiver spot, Marvin Mims obviously being another one, but, yeah, Theo Weiss definitely seems like someone who is poised for a big day. It would be a great story, obviously, with him missing um, last season. So we'll see what um what they can do. So one of them is bound to to have a really big performance. I mean, especially in a game where you figure it's going to be just kind of like a shootout. You know, it's going to be fast-paced. It's going to be a high-scoring event, at least on the OU side. So, you know, one of them figures be um, in for a big day, and, you know, we'll see if, if Theo Weiss is that guy.
0: All right, well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, oh,
1: no, we're actually not going to wrap it up with that because I said
0: we were going to talk about something that uh, we haven't brought up yet, and that's uh, the fans. Uh, Justin, a lot of talk about uh, the, the fans on Saturday clearing out, especially the student section. You know, it was really noticeable. I mean, well, it was beyond noticeable at halftime. It was a, uh, you know, looked at, up at the press box like a uh, more than half-empty stadium. Uh what, what did what did you make of that? And uh, you know, what, what atmosphere, kind of atmosphere do you expect uh, on Saturday? And, and is there anything they can do to fix that?
1: Yeah, I mean, my first initial reaction is, I'm sorry, I can't blame them with how hot it was. I mean, that's just sympathizing with them. I, I definitely understand it. It was it was expected earlier in the week to be cloudy, maybe even some chances of rain. So, you know, maybe people weren't fully prepared for what it was going to be. And it ended up, being, um, you know, pretty brutal out there. So, I mean, I, I definitely understand, especially with the game kind of getting out of hand there in the second half, um, why people were leaving. But, you know, it'll, it'll definitely help um, with this being a six o'clock game against Kent State. You know, I figure it won't be as bad, especially in the second half um, as it starts to get darker and cooler. So, you know, it's it's it definitely was a point of discussion. Um, you know, but um, I think Tyler Goddard was someone who had said, you know, that he he. I think I forget he was looking into a camera was saying, like, if the OU fans are watching this, like, we need you guys to give us the juice, give us the energy. Um, and so, you know, the players are calling for it. We'll see if, um, what kind of atmosphere it turns out to be out there. But it'll definitely help that it's it's a little bit cooler uh, this weekend because, yeah, last week was uh, was pretty brutal.
0: Yeah, and I I can't blame anybody who left if they're sitting on the, uh, the the east side of the stadium because it was brutally hot. You know, I, I try not to judge anybody because you know, we're lucky. We get to sit in the, the nice uh, air condition uh, up there. But, uh, you know, it was really hot. And it was not just that it was hot because it's hot a lot in early season games in Oklahoma, but the fact that there was hardly any wind and uh, it's just dead air in there and it was pretty humid and just a, a, a tough day. I had a friend uh, who ran into her and uh, one of her friends before the game and she, uh, her friend uh, wound up in the, uh, the, the medical unit uh, here at the stadium because she overheated, and I, I know she was far from the only one uh, to do that. Now, that said, there is an issue about the students leaving early. What, how you fix that, I think the only way to start off with is give them some incentive to be there at the end, whether that's, hey, if you you know check in uh, near the end of the game and you're, you're still here or at the end of the game, you're still here, you get uh, priority for tickets in the future or uh, uh, some kind of prize or discount or or coupon, uh, something like that. But that's going to be something to watch. We'll see if that changes. Uh, you know, one of the focuses of Brent Venables and, and Thad Turnip seed is, has been engagement and, and getting the fans engaged. Clearly, Brent Venables has been successful with that. You just look at the spring game. Uh, But we'll see how effective some of those things are with the students as the season goes on. I don't think you can judge much from Saturday just because of the uh, circumstances. We'll see this weekend what it looks like. I think high is supposed to be right around 90-91 on Saturday. Hopefully it'll uh, start cooling off a decent amount by kickoff. But certainly something that we're going to keep an eye on as the season continues. But uh, we're going to wrap it up right there on this uh, Twitter Spaces. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back uh, after Saturday's game to talk more. We'll, and that could be a late one by the time that we jump on, but we'll uh, definitely do that. And then we'll be right back here Tuesday. Going to try to make it a regular event right around uh, 1.30 to, to talk OU football a little bit after we hear from Brent Venables every week. So thank you so much for joining us. Have a good week. Enjoy Saturday's game.